0: Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode of Can't Find My Way Home I was joined by guitarist, songwriter and producer Jeff Tyson. A California native, Jeff has called Prague home since 2007. He talks us through both his expat and musical journey and has quite the story to tell. Touring the world as a professional musician, seeing all the changes in the music business over the years, both the good and the bad. From Jeff's excellent website. Jeff started his musical journey at the age of three when he started classical piano training. He played until his early teens until he heard Eddie Van Halen and he knew that guitar was his calling. At 13 years old, Jeff started studying guitar with Joe Satriani and refined his skills jamming with high school mates Alex Skolnick, Charlie Hunter, Jude Gold and Joshua Redmond. Google them. Jeff is one of two students Satriani has said graduated from his lessons, the other being Steve Vai. During one of his last lessons, Joe gave him a cassette of his then unreleased album, Surfing with the Alien, and Jeff knew Joe wouldn't be teaching much longer. Jeff tells us how he got into music and his lessons with Satriani, his wide and varied musical influences, and eventually stepping into the world of production and engineering. Jeff used the first lockdown time earlier this year to good use when he recorded his first guitar instrumental album, Drinks with Infinity, which was released back in July. Jeff also outlines why it was a really rewarding and interesting process moving away from vocal music to guitar music and making some music videos along the way. We get into the music and art scene in Prague and the Czech Republic, touring throughout Europe and some of the out of the ordinary places he's enjoyed playing. The top five features, Oren Levy, Justin Lavash, Bookie Baker, Getting the House of Blues Wrong and Toilets in Tijuana. All this and a special mention for Mango the Dog. Without further ado, Jeff Tyson.
1: Uh, I came here in 2007, I think, and it was uh, it was very impulsive. I was living in Hollywood at the time, and uh, my band Stimulator had just finished a record deal with uh, Universal, and was having some personal problems with some of the people in the band, and was I think I was watching the Daily Show, and Angelina Jolie and and Brad Pitt were on, and she made some remark about doing a film in Prague, and I just like. I just opened the computer and bought a ticket and just fucked off and left, and I haven't been back since. <laughs> I'm very impulsive. Yeah, it's a fantastic place. It's a very strange place when it's empty, because one one thing that really uh, enamored me about this city was the energy, and it just had. It's a cosmopolitan city. It's people from all over the world. You hear ten different languages every day, and it, now it's. You know it's it's a beautiful place but it just it's so different it I, it's what i imagine maybe it was like in the 1960s during communism you know it was it was just cold and and and, and gray and i don't know people spying but, on you yeah. <laughs> uh, except now now it's uh, now it's facebook well,
0: yeah, right. well we let them in this time that's the difference you know. <laughs> We're we're willing, uh, willing participants in it now. So it seems.
1: Yeah, yeah. George Orwell would be. He'd say like, look, no. If I put that in my book, nobody would believe. Uh, yeah, that, right. That that like, be come on, George, George. Really? Yeah.
0: And uh, do you feel like Prague is home now?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I uh, I spent a lot of time trying to learn the language. Uh, I'm still working on that. <laughs> But found myself really gravitating away from American uh, culture and, and trying to embrace Europe in in general, and, and and it's 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 been really good to me. It's it's really welcomes me and my music. Uh, it's offered me opportunities that I couldn't have had in the United States. So I I, I feel like I've been really embraced by the culture here, which has. I don't know if you've ever been to Los Angeles, but it took me probably two years living in Hollywood before i made new friends. <laughs> it's just that kind of place. It's not okay. a place to go to make friends. But in, in this city, you know, I've got friends from you know, 40 different countries that are representative of all of modern culture, and it's, it's brilliant. I, I really like it here. Well, I was born in Berkeley, uh, that's a San Francisco Bay Area, and then I lived in in Los Angeles for about eight or nine years. Well, it's interesting, you know, I, I grew up in, in the 1980s in, um, in the Bay Area. And during that time, you could write a song and put it on cassette and mail it to a radio station. And if they liked it, they would play it and maybe some manager would call you. And it could be a springboard into a, to an actual, like a successful story. And then, you know, over time, all the corporations took over media in the United States and it became harder and harder for an organic act to accomplish that. And, you know, I was playing that game for a long time and just kind of got used to it. And then I came here and it was almost literally the same thing. I did one song and I made a cheap video with a buddy of mine and it went viral on YouTube, and then suddenly I was, you know, getting all the calls from the managers and the, the concert festivals, and it got on the, it charted on on the radio. And I was thinking, like, this is just like back when the United States was, when it was cool to be an artist there. That's what it is here. That's what it's like now. All I have to do is be good. I don't have to to play any kind of corporate game. And it was really refreshing to me. And I remember I got a call, it was a, it was a festival, it's called the Balaton Festival, which is in um, uh, Hungary. And it's a, it's a huge festival during the summer. And uh, the dude just called me up and said, hey, we'd like to book your band. Uh, yeah, great, okay, let's do it. Uh, What's your band called? And at the time, I, <laughs> I didn't have a band. Uh, uh Jeff Tyson band okay cool right all right we'll book you in and then I called up all my friends that were me he hey we're gonna play some festivals you want to do this with me yeah so <laughs> that was the big difference I think here the, there's there's uh, there's no corporate middleman between you and the the media machine I guess you could say
0: and you feel this a refreshing changer well
1: yeah I mean you know one thing that always kind of annoyed me about, about the music business in the United States was that I, I, I felt like I spent maybe 10% of my time actually making music. The rest of it was making websites and doing marketing and, and you know making phone calls and doing all of the, the social stuff. And here, you're actually rewarded for being an artist. You're actually encouraged. There's people who say, you know what, I'll do that part of the job for you. You just go do you. And fuck yeah, love
0: that. There's a visa here in Germany that you can get specifically for artists. You know, you have to provide certain things, like uh, an accommodation, like an address, and uh, some health insurance details, and one thing and another. You you have to provide some things that you can support yourself. But there's a, a freelancer visa specifically for artists. So at least in this way here, they're also trying to somewhat accommodate artists, you know, and give them a living wage, or hopefully a little more than yeah.
1: That. That's what I mean. Like they 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 encourage that. Uh, I think they do the same in France. Like if you if you are able to play a certain number of gigs every year, that you have a guaranteed income. I, I could be wrong about the details there, but the the general art European attitude is that there is value in in art. And here's a kind of a silly example. If you go into a bar in in uh, Hollywood and you meet some hot girl, and she says, "What do you do?" "Oh, I'm a musician." Ugh. <laughs> but if you do it here it's a, res- it's a respected job and you know that that people understand the value of art and i don't know isn't that how it should be don't you think yeah well, it has more gravity it just has gravitas to it you know it's a real thing it's yeah and not everybody can do it you could be you could be educated up your ass and still be bad at it or there might just be some 13 year old kid in his Parent's garage. Who's a genius? I mean, there's A, B instructions for how to do this, and if it's good, and if you're good at it, you can move hearts all over the world, and that's fucking fantastic.
0: Actually, YouTube, YouTube has this really scary thing, though. When you see some of these kids on it, I mean, you and I might be about the same age, but some of the kids that you see on YouTube, like there's the the young kid who's doing the drumming thing with Dave Grohl. I don't know if you've seen this. They're kind of doing backwards and forwards. That, the girl that young yeah. girl yeah
1: right oh she's fantastic i don't she's even amazing. know how old
0: she is but you're just like come on really you know and it's uh, you're yeah, hanging your head in shame man but at the same time it's it's great to see this kind of stuff so in this sense it's really positive
1: i was actually i was speaking with satriani about this and he was saying that he would record and release an album and within a week there's some 10 year old's south korean girl who's learned his entire album note for note and has a video channel where she plays it it perfectly and he's saying like okay first of all that's fantastic but he's saying like if i if i didn't have compositions if i couldn't write a song if i didn't have a melody to present then how could i possibly compete and it's the same thing with with all of us i mean in this case this 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 girl drummer, she's a great drummer, but what is she like? Eight years old or something? 10 or that's <laughs> you know? yeah, that's that's her gimmick, and that's that's what allows her to rise above. And it, it isn't it, it, not to demean her at all, but I mean, if it was a a forty five year old guy, you know, maybe she wouldn't have forty five million views on YouTube. So I don't know, whatever it takes, and just that's just the environment we live in now.
0: That's a nice segue, actually, Jeff. How did you get to where you are today?
1: By fumbling, I have no fucking idea. My friends come to me frequently for advice about life stuff, and they always ask how I am able to give advice about various things. And I always say it's because I've made every stupid fucking mistake that could possibly be made. I've already done it. So I already know. I've been there.
0: (laughs) It's a kind of Yoda-esque thing.
1: Yeah, I'm that I'm that dude on the mountain that's just too fucking tired to get off the mountain because this has just been too much. I don't know. You know, I've I've had I've had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, great opportunities and great experiences and great people in my life, and and I would always kind of get comfortable with like one success, for example, and then not think about what might come next and then you know music changes Uh, people's tastes change and trends change and and then but i have never been able to actually predict that change and then find myself in every situation chasing chasing trends that maybe i should have seen (laughs) i don't know well hindsight's a
0: wonderful thing eh?
1: yeah let's say i'm I'm like a am like a a starfish i just react
0: how did your musical (laughs) journey start out then jeff what was your what was your way in
1: my mother dragged me to piano lessons when I was was three years old. And I it came from a very, very musical family. And I was good at it, and I was expected that I was going to to do this professionally. But then I heard Eddie Van Halen, I think when I was 13 years old and I couldn't, couldn't do the piano anymore. That was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. That's all you really need and, right, and, yeah. and went down that journey. And then I got really lucky because I it was, it was, it was living in Berkeley, California. And the, the guy that, like the big guy that taught guitar at the local music store was this guy, Joe Satriani. And at the time, of course, he wasn't famous. He was just the guy that taught guitar at the store. So I called him up, got lessons with him and it was absolutely intense. It was it was it was life-changing. And at the same time I went to school with a lot of guitar players that would would end up making big names for themselves, Alex Skolnick, Charlie Hunter and um you know, and other people that I didn't go to school with like uh, Kirk Hammett from Metallica and it just kind of became this epicenter for for musicality. And then that's when, you know, opportunities started coming. My first band got signed to um, Bill Graham Management out of San Francisco. And it was that same scenario where we would just send in a cassette and suddenly the, the, the guy that managed Jimi Hendrix is calling us, you know, and then we just kind of fell upwards. It was, it was a great time, you know, and then try to manage and, and navigate all of the, the musical business changes since that time has been a bit of an adventure but hey fuck it i'm so alive yeah right <laughs> look at the bright
0: side <laughs> what about some musical influences then since we did just touch on eddie van Allen who's just recently passed and uh, you know your musical influences and genres are, are you quite i'd imagine you're quite open to all sorts i haven't listened to you some of your your music online myself
1: well thank you i i am As far as the guitar, Eddie Van Halen, Satriani, uh, David Gilmour, all of these players, even even still evoke really intense emotions for me. But I I was, I guess, different than your typical metal guy in in the 1980s. I really, I loved Duran Duran and Depeche Mode and P-Funk and Earth, Wind & Fire and then when, when Janet Jackson came out with her first record, it was a Terry Luce Jimmy Jam production mm. I was it, I was like in the closet. I couldn't tell all my heavy metal <laughs> friends. I was like, this album is fucking intense. The programming that the the production and the vocal arrangements is fucking beautiful. I could not say this to the dude that was playing guitar for fucking Mordred. I couldn't do that. so I was a, a closeted r and b guy in Motown later on when i i started learning how to sing chris cornell uh stephen tyler a lot of the old blues guys and then i don't know it just kind of they all kind of mushed together into uh because i at, at the time i guess it was 1994 or something i i, I started opening and uh, running recording studios as, as a business and then got into the like the art of production, the art of engineering, and then started becoming fans of people like Jack Puig or, or um, Jason Corsaro, you know, or the, these amazing engineers and producers that had done art with recording. So I don't know, it just kind of evolved from there. Now I think the production part of things is as much of the art as the composition or the performance stuff that I do as well. I'm like a cyborg. I'm like a musician, but I have this this pro tools recording system. And that's my artificial part of my, uh, uh electronic musical body. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. Well, that's, I
0: mean, I think it would be remiss of you not to have some <laughs> like that when you're you, you, as that song says, what is it? Six weeks of Tina, which I'm guessing has a, yeah, uh, you know uh, uh, you you could work at the title I think I could work it out what it means and, uh, you know, uh, She knows the, what she
1: did yeah she, uh, knows. On, uh, on she the, knows
0: this was it, the, the video with the dog and the the vacuum cleaner thing when it's hilarious a little uh, was it mango was it there with the dog
1: yeah uh, it's mango yeah thank you that was that was during the first few weeks of lockdown and yeah. it was they, literally we could not go outside and i had just to do something and like hey let's make a music video okay fuck it what do we do i don't know let's put the camera on the vacuum cleaner and then scare the you dog you know <laughs> 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 whatever it takes that's what art is right you it's have to ugly. be in the moment
0: and it's it's that nice kind of spontaneity to it as well you know and it's it's kind of uh... And then you put it on YouTube and then it's, yeah. that's the next step. But you would see, Mango
1: got a nice treat after that. So he was fantastic. He was I,
0: I'm a big dog fan myself. I've got a border of <laughs> myself called Ozzy.
1: Oh, nice. I love those.
0: Would you say you had a certain kind of liking to of these pop sensibilities then, and as well as your rock and metal side, you always had a, a swaying towards something that really had a, that kind of perfect pop groove.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like the Brit pop during the 80s and 90s, I mean, it's just it was the best. And then w- when pop kind of transcended, it, it became more acceptable to have metal pop. I guess it was the Black Album of, uh, by Metallica. Hmm. And then it became a kind of a mainstream thing where I'm like, yeah, this is heavy, but this is a, it's a pop song. You can't deny that Inter-Sandman is a pop song. For me, it was, it was an effort to try to cross those over in a, in a reasonable way in my later efforts like my band stimulator when i was in hollywood we were trying to do metal and electropop was a girl singer and i think we did a pretty good job but again like as the music industry was changing around us it became pretty difficult to navigate that and uh then personalities blah 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 but you know that's by by this time in my career where i've Uh, I've been so intimate with so many different styles and so many different levels of, like, proficiency on certain instruments. And I've kind of said, fuck it, like, I'm not really trying to satisfy any particular corporate tastes. I'm not really trying to do one particular type of music. But I'm just trying to combine all of the, the random nonsense that I've learned throughout the years. to to try to make something palatable that makes me happy and then with the internet and with all of the tools that we have then hopefully be able to reach out to whomever in the world might be inspired by that so yeah (laughs) Yeah. as you get older you just say fuck it i don't care anymore right this is also kind of (laughs) philosophy 101 you know yeah
0: how would you describe your sound now jeff what would you say that you've kind of morphed into then
1: I don't I don't have any fucking idea you know. It's I, kind of weird people ask you you know
0: they when you start out in music I mean I never played really professionally I played in, I'm a drummer in bands and all that kind of stuff and bar bands and cover bands and original stuff you know and but people ask you they say well, what are you playing you're like well the last band I was in was a Stones band so you're kind of pigeon holding this thing this is you here right and then there's the the Britpops, the, excuse me, the Britpop sounding band over here and then the, you know, and so on and so forth. They put them into these little boxes and they kind of
1: compartmentalize things. I think for me now is more about like the process. For example, with, with Pro Tools, you know, you can take a drum performance or vocal and you can tune it and you can quantize it and you can make it perfect. And that is, I've done plenty of that in my life and I am so profoundly bored with that process that I think the only thing I'm really interested in is it's either live or or capturing a live performance. And to take that a step further, uh, a lot of the projects that I work on right now, I don't even want to sit down and write the song. I want to record the improvisation. And that includes the lyrics. Uh, and so I I, I try to Surround myself with great musicians, so that that whatever that one take might be, maybe it wouldn't be, like maybe it wouldn't be good enough to release, but it would be, it would be something enough to evoke a uh, a reaction, so that then the producer part of me could go in and produce it without getting fucking bored. Does does that make sense? Like, I mean, I've I've been. I've been working with this guitar player, uh, Gwyn Ashton. Do you know him? I don't know. He's an a Australian-English guy, blues player. And uh, we just, we're just getting together and writing. And the only rule is just there's just don't prepare for anything. We, we plug in, we record everything. And the song is written in a period of eight or nine minutes. It's 100% improvisation. And when we're done, we don't correct anything. Maybe we'll go in and remove like, oh, well, this, there's too many of this section, let's shorten it, let's edit a little bit, but we don't tune it, we don't quantize it. And that to me is, uh, that's the level of artist that I feel that I'm at now. That point where you can be in the moment and still have it somehow be relevant and, and, and interesting. And fresh and new and all that, yeah. Yeah. And it, like the song is done before you even know how it goes. It's well, certainly done before you're sick of it. And I'm looking forward after the COVID shit is over to actually get back in the studio with a full band and, and do this for real. Cause I have some fantastic musicians that I play with here and everybody gets it. And when the energy goes up, everybody follows. And when that, you know, the, the, the B section comes around, everybody knows when the break should be. And it reminds me of, like, for example, there's, a, there's some Marvin Gaye songs. I think that the song um, uh, Trouble Man. Do you know that song? I do, yeah. Yeah, but that particular song, I could be mistaken. I think it's that song. It could be a different one. But I think that song was the result of an improvisation that happened at the end of a recording studio. The bass player was playing some kind of a thing, and they were just kind of riffing. Or the the Ray Charles song. Oh, what I say, do do do, do oh no no. What I say, that was an improvisation, which they then, you know, they refined it. The the idea of of creating a a perfect pre processed, perfectly packaged song for me is so profoundly boring right now that I just I don't know. <laughs>
0: you've kind of you you've seen it and done it and you're like yeah okay let's let's move on to the next thing to keep it a bit more a bit more yeah. in that sense well there's another yeah, thing about yeah. the just as you mentioned there the kind of improvisation or the way music sounds uh, was it was a week or two ago I was talking to someone about the killers on this interview podcast thing and uh yeah we, we agree well I said the first two Killers albums were pretty good, I quite liked them and then after that I didn't really bother with them. They all sounded produced within an inch of their life, you know, there was nothing left in there. Like everything had been squeezed out of it or compressed and it was just yeah. you know, I, I, get, I get bored with it.
1: Right, they, 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 they took one aspect of art, like the performance, and then they transferred it into another kind of art, which is the, the engineering and the production. And I'm not saying that's bad, but is it within the energy of the Killers, for example? The Killers, I I think of their first couple albums. I think were 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 really exciting. I don't think of them as a as a as a pro tools band. I don't think of them as a produced band. So I don't know. And it, the same kind of thing happened with uh, like Maroon Five, for example, or even even Coldplay. Whether you like those bands or not, I feel that their later work has been more of a Hey, I'm a star. I'm gonna sing this. I don't have time. You figure it out after I leave. Kind of, kind of a vibe. I'm going you know what I mean? You know? <laughs> like, I'm gonna do my vocal. If it's out of tune, that's your problem. By, I got, I got fucking movie stars to fuck. I got
0: <laughs> the ego has landed and all that. Eh? Yeah, this
1: was this is my first instrumental album and as i mentioned earlier i was a, i was a Joe Satriani student and uh my first band t ride was a very uh, a guitar forward kind of a vibe in the in, in the early 1990s when that was fashionable and and we had a, we had some good successes and it was great i moved on in different ways as a songwriter and engineer and producer uh, recording studio owner during the years afterwards. But for all these years, Satriani and I have kept in touch and he's always said, you should do a guitar instrumental album. You should do a guitar instrumental album. A couple years ago, I finally said, fuck it, I'll do a guitar instrumental album. And so Drinks With Infinity is the result of that. It was my first time really entering that that world of guitar heroes. And it's been really fantastic. Actually, the, the guitar community has been very welcoming. I don't think the album is shitty. I'll send it to you and you let me know. I don't know, it's been a really fantastically positive uh, experience. And actually just tonight, there was the premiere, uh, Satriani asked me to play guitar on one of his songs for a series of video releases. And uh, my uh, contribution was was released just tonight, which I'll also send you if you like.
0: Fantastic.
1: And uh, it was a very interesting process moving away from vocal music into guitar music, it was, I I learned a lot from it. And um, my next album, which I'm doing demos for right now, is going to be a combination of that kind of crazy instrumental energy, but with vocals and lyrics as well. And then on the other side, like as a producer, I'm working with uh, a couple of really fantastic artists here in Prague. The Slovak singer, her name is Dashi, which is a kind of a Nora Jones, kind of a jazzy vibe, amazing singer. Really, really uh, interesting songwriter. And then uh, this uh, project that I mentioned earlier, Gwyn Ashton, which is a kind of a blues, whatever the fuck it is, improvisation thing, which I'm also also very excited about. Some really interesting things coming out of it. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, you have to, to, variety is good, right? And if, hey, if we're all still alive in uh, 2021, then maybe we'll hear it
0: check (laughs) (laughs) okay I'll get the first round then okay it might might be quite a big round right enough you know I don't know
1: (laughs) we might need it
0: when did the album come out and where can we find it
1: Uh, it was officially released July 31st 2020 it's cargo records UK they're doing the distribution but uh, you can find it easier on my website jefftyson.com that's jeff with a, a g uh, there's uh, CDs, vinyls, downloads, t-shirts, uh, pics, all kinds of other knickknacks, youtube.com slash Jeff Tyson, all videos, and, you know, all the Facebook and Twitter and blah, 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 and all that shit that you probably already know. Well, the I website's actually a- great. It's
0: quite comprehensive, but it's not overwhelming, you know, it's not like a homage or anything. It's, it's kind of quite concise, and it shows your work from where you were to where you are now
1: thank you, yeah I get to the point right? yeah ideally I, I hope to to be able to, to meet everybody out on tour that's my favorite part about music is to be, be able to play live and you know when uh, when the world shifts gears uh, I hope to see you all live in concert
0: yeah that, that's a that's a date for sure uh, speaking of that the the scene in Prague I mean be, <laughs> before all of this you know without it, sounding too dramatic but before all of this Remember, and it was uh, what? What was the scene like? Or I guess it hasn't died, right? So, what what is this scene like in Prague?
1: Well, it was. There's there's a few different scenes. There's there's actually a huge demand for for live music here. There's the there's a lot of rock and roll clubs with I'd say three or four nights a week live shows that are full. Then you got punk rock scenes. You've got the 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 hipster uh, underground stuff. You've got a, a whole completely different subculture of just like acoustic and jazz music and they have their own clubs. And then you've got like the really big bands, like the, the Czech bands that have been around since the fall of communism. And these are the guys that are playing stadiums. But it's, it's thriving, or it was thriving. <laughs>
0: it's just thriving and, a bit slower than it was.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like whatever your, your taste is, whatever kind of scene you, you, you can connect with, there there's a place for you there and you know for me like where I tend to cross over in the afternoon you go see an acoustic jazz band at a park and then go to a rock club and then see a two or three 80s hair metal bands and then you go to an after club and you see a a, Avant-garde, experimental jazz techno band with a live drummer. I mean, fantastic. it's absolutely fucking everything, and everything is done with an aesthetic because the the Czechs love art and they they love visuals and they love sound and they, and so it's not just some asshole in a in a basement. You know, they do the lights and the videos and the, and and the the sound is great. I mean, it's 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 absolutely stunning. It's really fucking fantastic place.
0: And how have you been getting on outside of the, the capital and have you ventured much into other cities in, cities in the Czech Republic or out within Eastern Europe or Western Europe for that matter?
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've toured a lot in this part of the world and a lot of those tours, I mean, depending on, for example, if you're, it's a spring or summer, uh, you have these village festivals and by village, I mean, like Borat village. <laughs> and you roll into these little places and I mean, it's, it's like the little tiny city but there's a stage and you play and they fucking love you and I've, I don't know, I've played in every major city in the Czech Republic, every minor city in the Czech Republic, I don't even remember how many villages. And then it's the same in Slovakia and Hungary and Poland and then Germany and, and I've played a lot in England and France and Italy. Austria and you know it's that's just the life of the musician like, Hey, you want to want to play a show sure where is it oh, who cares fuck it okay I'll be there I, I
0: can't spell it or pronounce it but they'll pay you, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah what <laughs> one, one thing that uh, that uh, I've noticed is is uh, the guy that um, uh, tour managers and, and drives us around I don't understand how he does this it's like he's psychic because these little village festivals there's no signs. There's no roads. And so we end up uh, like at the end of some GPS coordinate. And there's, how, how do you know where the venue is? How do you know where to go? It's like, oh, we need to drive down this, this gravel path and then cross that tiny bridge over the river and then and, and pet this dog and then we'll find it. And somehow every single time they find it. And I don't know how they Lord do it.
0: the rings, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, very much so. <laughs> so that
0: adds a kind of <laughs> mysticism to it, right? It keeps it quite unique.
1: Yeah, I, can, I, I couldn't do it without him.
0: Are you fit for a top five?
1: A top five, yeah.
0: What's your guilty
1: pleasure? What's on your playlist that you know, might surprise us? Guilty pleasures? Lately, it's been a lot of electronic music. And I think it's because, since I make music all the time, when you make music, you have to really focus on something. So, when I listen to music casually, I want something that I don't have to fucking deal with. <laughs> so, I've been listening to like Dead Mouse. You know that? Yeah, yeah, it's I Canadian do. or oh, something. Right. Yeah. Or there's an Israeli artist. His name is uh, Oren Levy. Brilliant chord changes, amazing voice, fantastic background music. Cool. That sounds like something
0: worth exploring because I'm always looking for something new myself, right? When you're dog walking or whatever, whatever it is I'm doing in my free time.
1: Well, I, I highly recommend Oral Navi. He's, 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 he's a genius. He's, maybe you remember there was a viral video. It was a, a woman laying on a bed. It was filmed from above and it was done stop motion so that she's like, it, it's like she's walking and then she's interacting with things like clothes and cellos and things that are, are, are inserted into the scene by stop motion. It's absolutely stunning.
0: Well, guess what I'm going to do when we, <laughs> when we hang this up there. Okay, cool. Who should we be listening to, Jeff, other than your good self, of course?
1: Number one is a astounding guitar player singer named Justin Lavash. Justin Lavash, I think he's uh, originally from London, but he lives in Prague now. If you can imagine Robert Johnson on the guitar, Tom Waits' texture of voice, but Roger Waters' content of lyrics. Wow. And he's absolutely fucking stunning. And he plays all the fucking time in Prague. He's a good friend of mine. And every time it's just a showstopper. He's just astounding. So that's number one. Number two, there's, I think it's Irish Canadian band. Uh, They're called Bookie Baker. The singer-lyricist, is, he's a poet. He's, he's a, a, a Bob Dylan of our ages. Fantastic rhythms, the guitar play, it's kind of a bluegrass kind of a vibe, it's a, a duet. And then hopefully in the future, this Dashi girl that I, met, that I mentioned earlier. If I think of somebody else later, I'll let you know.
0: <laughs> Who would you like to collaborate with? Who's still on your to-do list?
1: A living or dead?
0: Oh, it's up to you. man. <laughs> this is all you.
1: I always wanted to do a talk with Chris Cornell, but let's, let's say that probably won't happen this year. Interesting. Who do I want to collaborate with now? Because, you know, I always consider the political aspect of it, but if I were to choose, let's say Tom York from Radiohead, Jack Puig, the producer, Tony Levin, the bass player from King Crimson, John Lord, keyboardist.
0: Oh, nice touch.
1: <laughs> and Pointer Sisters as background vocalists. <laughs> who's your <How's> drummer? <laughs> John Bonham. Okay, he's dead. <laughs> um, who's the drummer? Ah, good question. How about? Uh... Maybe, what's his name? Um, Michael, um, shit, he played for Smash Mouth. Michael Urban, uh, he played for Tears for Fears too. Uh, Manny Ilias. Oh,
0: I do know him. He was in the video for Shout, Tears for Fears. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. I do remember. He did that album with him. I do remember. Yeah, that's a long time. ago. But that was a a classic song and a classic video.
1: How's that? For an all-star, right?
0: Good call, man. Good call. (laughs) What's your go-to karaoke song, Jeff, if you're in the mood?
1: It depends. If I have no shame, I will sing hallelujah. But that's generally you don't want to sing hallelujah ever. <laughs> um, so that depends on how much alcohol I've had to drink. I was
0: say, maybe not all of it. You know, maybe just a <laughs> few chorus You know.
1: Otherwise, I don't know. Like, um, get your motor running, head on a highway. Uh, born to be wild.
0: that works right it's three minutes and change you know and it's uh, it does what it says some, in the tin.
1: something with some, some vocal grit I don't know I have to think about that one. A little ballsy.
0: what about uh, best or favorite venue that you've uh, you've played in or you've seen someone in?
1: Ah, uh, god there's so many fantastic venues. one one thing that really struck me was the hard rock cafe in las vegas. Uh, I mean the venue is, is is great but this the way they treated the artists backstage you know there's most clubs that you play at are pretty fucking grubby backstage fluorescent lights and dirty carpets and Mm. it's you know sticky
0: floor syndrome
1: yeah and i mean fair enough i mean you know the glamour is out front yeah but the hard rock cafe was backstage was just fucking luxurious no, 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 I'm sorry, not the Hard Rock Cafe, House of Blues, House of Blues, we'll House of that Blues, better. Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that big difference, not the Hard Rock Cafe. The House of Blues, Las Vegas was fantastic. That's how you can just edit that.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they know how to treat their artists well, yeah?
1: Well, I mean, it was, it was, well, it was clean. They had, they had, you know, everybody had a concierge. You could order from the kitchen. It was fantastic. It was the nice lighting. I mean, I don't know. You just you notice these little things when you're when you tour a lot. But if I can tell you a funny story about a show I did in Tijuana, please do. Yeah, because it was really the antithesis of favorite places to play. It was uh, we, we came into the venue and went backstage, and there was a toilet sitting right in the middle of the room with no walls around it. And the uh, production manager said, yeah, it's a toilet, whatever. It's not working. And so th- it, at the time, the water in the club was not working at all. They said, oh, we don't turn the water on until 8 o'clock or something. Fine. So we went to go sound check, came back. And when we came back, somebody had laid a fucking monumental turd into this toilet with no water. Ah, so what are we going to do about this? <laughs> so uh, we had... I don't know, like a half a keg of beer and God knows how many liters of of Coca-Cola. So we had this idea, let's pour the Coca-Cola into the back of the toilet, fill it up enough so that we can flush the toilet, right? That's science. What could go wrong? Well, we did that, but we didn't quite have enough to fill the whole float. And we were a little bit worried that we'd flush it and then waste that effort. So, but we had all this beer and somebody said, well, let's just put the beer in the toilet. And we all said, we are not going to waste the beer on this. (laughs) However, however, we could drink the beer, recycle it through our bodies and then piss (laughs) into the back of the tank,
0: Ah, fill it up
1: that way. Also science. It's like the MacGyver
0: method here, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which we did. And uh, we got it high enough so we flushed it and it was just this noxious combination of and we were successful. And that was my memory from Tijuana.
0: <laughs> the rest <laughs> of the rest is just a blur after that. It <laughs> <laughs> does look a good night, man. Jeff, thanks very much for your time. It's been uh, it's been great spending the last hour or so with you. My pleasure. Thank you too. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. All the best. You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on Anchor.fm. Simply search for Can't Find My Way Home. On Instagram at Can't.FindMyWayHome. On Facebook at Expat music pod. Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts from, I'm pretty sure you'll find us there too. Until the next one, this is Craig saying, cheers.